the example, we had uh, Lauren Annan on, what, a month ago, a couple weeks ago, and she was talking about that. She said that she spent the night at someone's house, and when they didn't have to, like, throw away empty rigs yeah. that were found in the couch, she was like, wait, what? Yeah. And that just stuck out to me because I'm like, dang, like, that's true. You don't realize that when you just grow up with it, you're like, oh, this is just what everyone does. All right, welcome to Redefine Recovery. We are the Christ-centered recovery podcast. We talk about all things recovery, Christ-centered, non-political. Ooh. Ooh, already starting it out there. <laughs> Too close to the election to say the word, the P word? Yeah. Uh, That's not one of the P words we normally avoid, but... <laughs> That's but true. Works. Well, actually it is. We generally tend to not get... I try word. to not get political. So, super topical timestamp that means nothing to our listeners. Happy Halloween, everyone. So. Oh, yeah. Halloween. Happy Halloween. We're recording this on Halloween, which is weird. Yeah. So. Oh, hey, I'm Brandon for oh, Halloween. I'm Keith for Halloween. I'm <laughs> pretending to be a pastor that runs a podcast. And, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Good times. I uh, am pretending to be a loving father and a wow. decent husband. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, you can reach us at redefine recovery at cloveshills.com or on the Facebook. Facebook. Yep. Yes. Brandon's job is to read Facebook now. So. Yes. 100%. Yeah. 100%. I will tell you, getting paid for being on Facebook does not make my wife any happier. Yeah, I bet not. <laughs> so you've got two kids. That's are true. Are they dressing up for Halloween? They are, yeah. What are they dressing up as? So uh, Maddie is, my six-year-old daughter is some kind of fairy, something okay. with wings and a dress and high heels, sparkly shoes, and my son is a police officer. Okay. I'm glad they didn't switch costumes. That would have been weird. That would have been very weird. I wasn't entirely sure that Keith wasn't asking about the ducks. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, true. And if you hadn't said their names, I wouldn't have been sure that you weren't talking about the ducks as well. (laughs) That's very true. (laughs) What are they dressing as? Ah, ducks. So, controversial topic, are you you taking them trick-or-treating? So, we have... So last Friday, today is Halloween. Last Friday, we went to a Halloween party and they got to wear their costumes. They got to get candy. Last night, we took them to Clovis Hills had a family movie night. Okay. And they showed like Hotel Transylvania and they like covered the yard in. They should have shown like Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, I know. That would have been great. Yeah. It was a little kids event. Your pastor might have done that. Yeah, well, this was at our old town campus, so it was okay. a different pastor in charge of it. Yeah, yeah, much more. He's a, a Mennonite, which is oh, diet wow. Amish. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we did that. They covered the grass and candy and put all the kids in a line and told it was like a candy scavenger hunt. And so they got candy there. They got to wear their costumes. So we're going to attempt trick-or-treating, but if it, like, we just go in our neighborhood. And yeah. if our neighborhood is a bust, we're just going to be like, well, you guys had two nights to dress up and get candy, so. But you have to... Call it like harvest collecting or something, right? Or you no, go to hell? I, I don't care about that. The whole Halloween Christian. <laughs> Have you <laughs> seen John Chris? Jesus praising night. Uh, John I've Chris just posted a bit about uh, harvest festivals and like a uh, 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 junior high camp. Like, uh, uh, oh, what do they call it? Um, I can't think of the word. He has a funny bit about it, though, where like you go and get the candy and they have like a room where they pretend it's hell and a room where they pretend it's just go look up John Chris. It's yeah. great. I just ruined his joke. It's, it's one of those, one of those <laughs> no, moments. I think you nailed it. <laughs> nailed it right. It's one of those moments where I'm glad I didn't grow up in a Christian youth group. Oh, dude, for sure. Like that of, he said it, the punchline was that the room that was supposed to be heaven is creepier than the room that's supposed to be nice. hell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you just walk in and there's a guy petting a goat and you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> all sitting around in white robes and Nikes yeah. and, 
<laughs> he so, said the hell room is really just the high school room with the heat turned on. It's, it's great. When I was when I was still doing tech stuff, I was a big fan of Whitney George, who was the creative designer for Church on the Move in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Now uh. he's their lead pastor, and uh, he's a pastor's kid. And he talks about like growing up in like the old school church, like his dad was like Gospel Bill or something in mm. this syndicated series or whatever. So he's just talking about like being a kid and, and, and these old ladies like playing piano and singing like Jehovah Jireh and being like, this is what it's going to be like in heaven. And he's like, can it please not? Be yeah, this I'm, I'm you know? cool off all of this. Dude, he's got a pretty rad story of he went to like a U2 concert when he was in high school and he's like, no, this is what it's going to be like in heaven. And like, mm. this is what worship should look like. And, you know, so. Oh, you mean sounding good? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, having some amount of technical prowess. And, yeah, yeah, you know, that's not, great. Not just like, hey, our worship leader son can run a soundboard. We yeah, fine. that's a good time. So, are you taking your kids trick or treating? I'm not. No. Oh no! Like no. you're a conscientious it's, objector. It's Satan's holiday. We're just not gonna. Do you not celebrate Halloween every year? I don't year? know if he's We're joking or not. This year. Oh, so gotcha. My uh, my mother-in-law who watches our uh, kids is pushing eighty, so we try to be good about how we expose ourselves in the current health oh, situation. You are so thoughtful. Well, you know, I'm not going to lie. Like I'm very unthoughtful. Like I've got people at home that are sick and I'm coughing and I'm just like, well, drink some NyQuil and show up. Yeah. Go <laughs> shake, shake a bunch of hands at church, right? Oh, uh, kiss some hands and shake babies. Yeah. Well, and like my, my daughter, you know, we have a, I have a brother-in-law who is going to like buy bags of candy to just give my kids anyway. So oh, gotcha. Just, you know, that's what he does. He doesn't have kids. And so he spoils ours. Yeah. So. But I mean, that's teaching him socialism, bro. Make him get out there and work for it. No, I was teaching him to like find a patron somewhere that a <laughs> sugar daddy. <laughs> well, it's getting really weird because it's their uncle. So, uh, well, I mean, you live in a trailer park. <laughs> I do. He doesn't. Though. We're good. So. <laughs> it's cousins you got to worry about in the trailer park. <coughs> We're probably gonna have to tag this explicit. Well, it's the we whole, just that's that's a given for every episode. Yeah, it just happens. So, you know, uh, our apologies. Our so. apologies. So since it's a, a since it's Halloween weekend, that means that uh, it's also coming up on the election. Yes, right? the scariest part of Halloween is it being over, right? And the fact that <laughs> somebody's going to win. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie. Well, no, when this airs, the election will be the next day. But you're T minus 24 hours from Kanye being your president. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon has an extensive voter history of one time, so one time. He's, yeah, uh, he's here to help. But yeah. Uh, Seriously, congratulations on that, though. This is the first year Brandon has been legally allowed to vote. Yeah, no, I'm stoked about it. And he exercised that right. I'm not going to lie. I felt super nerdy, but I spent two and a half hours researching every single bubble I filled in. Yeah. I got out the computer. I go, well, what does prop whatever mean? What does this mean? What does yes on A mean? What does no on A mean? What does this person stand for? So I researched every single thing before I filled in a bubble. And then my wife just goes, hey, let me see your ballot. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? I've done similar, but frequently I find less clarity on the propositions when you read more of like, I oh, still totally. don't know what this does. Or Yeah, yeah. I feel like they intentionally word them in a way where you don't know, even though you know right. kind of which way you'd want it to swing, you don't know which way you should vote to make that happen. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I agree. Right. And, I and it's always like over tagged, like a, like a yes means that kittens won't be euthanized. Right, right, right. Yeah. And a no means that your children will have to pay a $17 billion deficit. Dude, like, totally. And that's the crazy thing. They go, yeah, if you vote yes on this, it'll potentially cost us $10 million in the next year. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Hold on a minute. Yeah. Well, and there's, there's occasionally stuff where like, you'll see that like, Somebody will be like, it's going to cost this much money. And then somebody's like, the fiscal impact is expected to be zero. And you're like, wait, how are we spending money? But the fiscal impact is expected to be zero. Like, yeah, I'm sure that's happened before. And I think that's illegal. I think you go to jail for that. If the books show 
Zero. You didn't actually spend money when you did. Yeah. And, you know. I think that's a good uh, meter of how our government actually works. In general, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to miss the uh, the smear ads. Yeah. Those are my favorite every oh, every four dude, years. They're ramping up, too, man. So-and-so, uh, I mean, yeah. kicks puppies and yeah. and hates the elderly. Don't yeah. vote for them. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's funny because, like, you know, we're opening back up for regen, and I was thinking about, like, taking out a paid Facebook ad, and I was going to be, like, walking through the middle of town, and I was going to be like, my name is Keith McCann, and I'm not running for anything. <laughs> you know? That's actually like, brilliant. Yeah, I thought so, so. I like that. Yeah. I just wanted to give you a break for this 30 seconds. Been, my, I'm Keith McCann, and I approve yeah. this message. Yeah, nobody has endorsed or paid for this message, you know, but yeah. Well, except it's, your church. It's too late now, so. Yeah. You know, but <clears throat> Are you yeah. opening this week? Yeah. Oh, Monday. fantastic. Monday we have a commencement, so we've got 26 people that that have suffered through the pandemic and uh, completed their... I'm super proud of that, though. Like, Are you? Like, okay, I mean, so if you're somebody who, like, doubled down on your sobriety from whatever it is, and, like, you've been working on this, like, through the pandemic, like, man, you're, like, hardcore veteran yeah. status. I mean, it's, it's... But, I mean, is it like with the Dodgers World Series win where there's, like, an asterisk next to it, Ooh. and it's like, yeah, you completed this, but it was during the oh, pandemic. Just, I love how you wove in a jab at John, the, the Dodgers. Yeah, I like Are you the... a Dodgers fan? Oh, who no. I had no clue. I only waited three and a half hours outside the uh, the stadium to get in and get my World Series gear after they won. Oh, did you? Yeah, Dude. it was nuts. It was like Disneyland outside. People what, what are you going to do when, they, when the team name changes, though? When the team name you haven't changes. heard it's, it's offensive to people who actually served in Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. I'm not going to lie, bro. That, um, that, which game was it? Was it game six? Game five? Where, uh, six was the one where they, they won it. They muffed it? No, no, no. no where was it? Oh, was so five. it was game four. It was game five? Five, I think. Where, I think where, it was four. The where, fantastic ending? Were they... Fantastic for who? For everybody, bro. Yeah. Listen, I know the Dodgers lost. So you're not even a Giants fan, so I'm not, I don't I understand. Hate the Giants. Right, so I don't understand the hate for the Dodgers. No, I don't have hate for the Dodgers. Oh, just, I have hate for Dodger crap. fans. Okay, it, they're like Raiders fans. Like I just wish they would shut up. Uh, Cowboys fans. I don't think Do- fairness, those are Dodger fans. I've never felt like I was going to get stabbed by a Dodgers fan. Really? So they are a little bit different than Raiders. Well, fans. well, okay. Well, you don't I got to play the right now. Now I have to play devil's advocate because <laughs> there, there was the whole Brian Stowe incident. Well, which, yeah. But I also denounced those guys. But that just, wouldn't have even been news at a Raiders game. That's just what happens. That's just a. That's yeah, just real. a Sunday. Yeah, that's yeah. part of being part of the nation. Yeah. For real, right? Dude, so do you remember a couple years hardcore. ago the Niners fans that killed a, a Raiders fan? They beat him to death in the bathroom of the stadium. No. Jeez. Oh, okay, I know that guy. He's from New London out here. And he went to an, he's a, like, you, you, knew, the, you, knew, you the, knew that the guy, guy that went to prison for that. Oh, okay. oh, Not the oh, guy that oh. died. Gotcha. But yeah, anyways, um, back on track. That was a fantastic ending to that game, bro. <laughs> I mean, I, I understand as a Dodgers fan, you're like, oh, that sucks. But that was the most exciting, like, three minutes of baseball See, I've ever I, seen. I was DJing a wedding, so I had my phone out and the nice. score out while I was, oh, while I was working. You ruined a wedding? <laughs> <laughs> I just grabbed the mic and I went. <laughs> yeah. No, I like, uh, I like so to think I right in the didn't middle have to watch of like that. the father daughter dance. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> and then, and he's like just packing his stuff up. Just doesn't say anything. <laughs> oh, that's great. Just, just leave. <laughs> the Screw funny, it. I got paid already. Who the cares? funniest thing that I've heard though is that for the first time in thirty years, that kids in Africa will not have. Dodgers World Series shirts. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it has been a few years. There is a lot of that in circulation. Yeah. Uh, you know what though? It hasn't been like it hasn't been long enough for like you to get the whole world behind you. Like I feel like when uh, when the White Sox ran it, won it, uh, the Cubs, sorry, the, the Cubs, and then um, 
what was that curse of the Bambino? Uh, oh, Red Sox. Boston. Red Sox, yeah. yeah. When Boston won again, like, felt like the whole world was like, well, not Rooting the whole world, Boston, but a lot of people yeah. were like, a lot of people were, yeah. Minute, Boston's know? still one of those teams where a lot of people love to, to hate them, so there still was that, but yeah, I, I feel that. Yeah, yeah. there's still, he had, uh, 32 years is not long enough for everybody to yeah, run no. for you. Right. right. And 32 years is not long enough for the Astros to go without winning another one so that people don't hate them. We can all agree we hate the Astros, Every Astros right? Astros suck, bro. Yeah. But they will never, like, anytime they win in the future, it will always have an asterisk next I still to it. I tend to be an Astros fan just to troll other people. Oh, that's great. I do it, that so. on political pages. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I follow Trump and Biden, and I support neither. Right. And I play devil's advocate on both pages, and I get so much hate. I bet. Oh, so much hate. So, so I support if, that. It's fantastic. Too political. It's as political as I'm going to go on this. I long for the day that in an election I can vote for somebody instead of voting against somebody. Uh, because I feel well, like every, we know how you voted. Every, <laughs> but do you? Is the question. Uh, you know, because yeah. I think you could make a strong case for either way. Either of those. Yeah. yeah. Like, hey, you know. That's like, true. So. I'm not gonna lie. I wrote somebody in. Did you? I had to. Well, Jesus. I'm decline. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I wrote man. Jesus in. Oh, I thought you wrote me in. <laughs> no, that's all I could do, bro. I was seriously. Watch and, one one day, some guy named Jesus yeah. from South Central LA is gonna be elected president, and <laughs> everyone's gonna be like, "How did this?" I'm gonna happen? tell you, my complete vote was Jesus of Nazareth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you got specific. Good. <laughs> because I know a lot of Jesuses. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, let's make sure this is clear. Ah, I just, I feel like it comes down to having to be able to live with yourself and either one of those choices. And I'm like, mm, I can't do it. I got to give my wife credit. This is the first year that I think she's gone like super into like, she did the same thing you did if she was like researching everything. And at one point she sent me a text message and she said, if you didn't take the time to like submit your little voter bio thing in the election, I'm not voting for you. I'm just voting for the other guy. Oh, wow. But wow. Cause there were a bunch of people that I guess it was just blank. Yeah. It was just blank. Know, yeah. And- yeah. It seems lazy. That does seem lazy. I actually appreciate that. Just phone it in. Just like, I don't even need to tell you who I am. (laughs) Screw it. There's an R in front of my name, so I know you're going to vote for me, or there's a D in front, so you're going to vote. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's as political as we get. We've got content. How much time are we at right now? Uh, 14 in. Oh, wow. That's a third of the podcast. Wow. I apologize to all of our listeners for making us. Both of them. Endure. Sorry, Brian. Well, no, one of them's here. (laughs) Oh, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) So Kendra's with us. Kendra, welcome. Thank you. Yeah. No. She's like, finally, thanks for letting me talk. <laughs> <laughs> so Kendra is um, a student in our E212 School of Ministry, which is how I was able to reach out to her yesterday in the evening. Yes, <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Thankfully, old, I don't have a life. <laughs> the, the old last minute reach out. Uh, uh, so, um, but she's also involved in a program we're involved in, uh, Welcome Home, which we've talked about extensively. Yeah. On this podcast. Uh, when the prisons were open, she did a lot of stuff with Celebrate Recovery on the inside. Yeah, correct. That's where I met her the first time we were in prison together. Well, just go ahead and tell her whole so. testimony, bro. Here, you can leave. He'll tell oh, your you story. Were, okay. All right. Let's. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Man, I give spoilers. I give like little highlights and Brandon's like, well, just tell their whole testimony. Yeah. So, yeah. You know. well, that's all right. You guys can tune out. That was it. That's, <laughs> that's legit all I know. Uh, her, yeah, so. that's all I know, too. I don't yeah. know her very well. Yeah, normally the Brandon's trademark is to bring somebody in that I've never met and then gone, keep on to introduce them, you know, and I'm like, I can't even remember their name. So great. I like Strong putting you in that position. Because you know I'm That's terrible great. with names. Yeah. So. Yep. All right. So Kendra is going to talk about her story today, her testimony, which she has never gave in Celebrate Recovery. So we are proud to be breaking this story. also hey john just a heads up uh frequently brandon forgets to turn on the air conditioning and i feel like that's what's do you need air conditioning today it's It's like 40 degrees outside all right well i'll turn it on in between episodes no that's a lie he won't (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Keith, right. Keith feels strange that there's not a uh, low buzzing in the room. Exactly. I exactly. I was looking out for John, but whatever. All right, let's okay. do it. You ready? <clears throat> yes, I'm ready. Um, okay, well, my um, story started in 1980. Um, I was born to a very dysfunctional family. I um, had a mom who was an addict in and out of jail um, most of my childhood. And I had a father who was an alcoholic, and um, they were a really bad combination. Um, there was a lot of back and forth with them. Um, I had an older sister, uh, half you know, she's my half sister, but um, my sister. Mm. Um, she protected me more than my mom and dad ever did. So uh, anyway, um, a lot of dysfunctional things happened in my childhood. Um, my parents ended up divorcing when I was five or six, I think. Um, I stayed with my mom. Um, she kept on, you know, getting in trouble and um, going in and out of jail. And so I would go and stay with uh, aunts or uncles or whoever would um, take care of me until she got out. And I did that uh, back and forth several times. The last time she went to jail, I um, was in seventh grade. And at that point, I decided to go and um, stay with my dad. Which I felt like was the lesser of two evils at the time. Um, he was really rough for my um, my mental status. He was really controlling, really hard on me. Um, he had also um, not treated me very well when I was really young, and um, there was a there was a dynamic where I never felt really safe around him. Mm -hmm. um, so I stayed in my room. I just kind of, you know, put it, that's where I learned how to put up my walls. Everything's fine. I got this. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just going to write it out. Like, I'll be okay. So I just did that um, all the way through high school until I graduated. And um, it was rough. I mean, he, he provided financially. He, you know, he had a good job and everything like that. And um, I was his only, you know, blood child. So, I mean, I had it pretty good as far as, you know, having financial stuff, things that I needed, but, mm -hmm. um, but they always came with, um, they came with, um, what is the word like I'm conditions, conditions, or, yeah. you know, um, yeah, I'm still not thinking of the right word, but so, uh, you know, he would be really controlling and kind of use things against me. And, um, mm -hmm. so I think that's kind of led to some of my, oh, anyway, a, a, a lot of this stuff has led to the way the way I turned out. But um, day after I graduated, I left again because I, <laughs> that was as many days as I could stand to be there. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so I did go to, I did go to college. I did go to Fresno State. I thought, um, thought I made it through unscathed. Um, my mom had kind of sort of gotten clean uh, during that time. She switched to um, prescription Addiction, oh know, yeah, that's good. During that's that healthy. time, yeah, yeah. So she got off. She got off the illegal stuff and got onto the legal stuff. And I struggled with her. She got sick also while I was in high school. Um, she got COPD because she smoked. And um, what's COPD? Chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Oh. Yeah. So, so like emphysema is yes. a wider category of things. Emphysema, uh, congestive heart failure, all that kind of. Mm -hmm. you yes. Know. Mm -hmm. So there started my codependency because my mother 
um, created her life to where she didn't have support. Mm -hmm. And so it was me. So starting in high school, I would go to her rescue every time mm -hmm. she was in you the You became hospital. the caretaker. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and see, this is an interesting thing you mentioned before of like thinking you made it through unscathed because so many times when people have like a traumatic upbringing, um, one of the things that that'll happen is like you don't have an understanding of what normal is. Right. And so you think like, oh, this is normal. Like, you know, um, and we've had a lot of different people on the podcast who've talked about growing up in dysfunctional families and the first time they see a, a normal kind of functional family, it's like, this is weird. Yeah, wait a minute, what? Is. Mm -hmm. and, and I thought this was normal. Right. And, you know, and so that's not an uncommon feeling to come out going like, oh, I made it perfectly fine yeah. through that. And it's like, yeah, compared to everybody around you, you did fantastic. Right. <laughs> Dude, you know the <laughs> best yeah. Dude, the example, we had uh, Lauren Annan on, what, a month ago, a couple weeks ago, and she was talking about that. She said that she spent the night at someone's house and when they didn't have to like throw away empty rigs yeah. that were found in the couch, she was like, wait, what? Yeah. And that just stuck out to me. Cause I'm like, dang, like that's true. You don't realize that when you just grow up with it, you're like, Oh, this is just what everyone does. Yeah. Well, funny, funny story. So like, uh, and shout out to Brandon. So like a couple of weeks ago, I was having some issues with the heater in my house. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Brandon had told me before about how when he was locked up, he learned HVAC stuff. And and I was like, dude, I'm trying to be cheap. Can you, you know, come over and I'll, I'll give you a tri tip if you come over and help me. And uh, he's like, all right, cool. So, uh, so he came over and like, and, and I'm kind of nervous because I live in a mobile home, right? And I wait, 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 just for context, you did not offer me anything to come over. I came over because I am a good-hearted person. It's true, and I love my friends. <laughs> did you did you decline the tri tip that I gave you? Though I did oh, not decline no. the tri tip. Okay. It would so. be rude in our culture to decline. <laughs> it would be un-American. It would be un-American yeah. to decline tri tip. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so you know, and and I'm pretty selective about like because our mobile home is in is in we're fixing things up, and so it's in a kind of rough spot. And so I was like, hey man, you know this is what's coming on, and Brandon like gave me some examples, which are part of history that I don't want to share, but he's like, as long as this or this aren't going on back there, like we'll be fine. And I was like, you said, and right. Not or, and, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, just, just to have that moment of like, we think like, Oh, this is bad or this is abnormal. And then we hear somebody's like, no, this is the mm -hmm. situation that I grew up with. And this is, you know, it, it's quite different. So, so yeah, I just wanted to kind of highlight that so many times we do, we come out of our situation things like, Oh yeah, I'm doing great. But it's like, it's what we're comparing ourselves to. Right. You know? right. We compare Downplay ourselves to the, to the yeah. idiots around us. And we're like, I am yeah. great. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm just going to say, if I had grown up in your trailer, I'd be a lot better off. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. That means a lot to me. I'm just saying. So, you know. Yeah. I did see a lot of things um, with my mom. There was drugs out in the open. Mm. You know, I always, um, she even at, at one point in sixth grade offered me a joint. And I didn't take well, it. That was nice of her. Yeah, it was great. Sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. That's right. Um, Don't bogart mom. Come on. <laughs> um, and she had me um, helping her bag up her weed also um, at around the same time. So, but, but we lived in Southeast Fresno and all of the kids in my apartments kind of, you know, were the same. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know it was. Mm. I never, I didn't realize it was not right. I, I really didn't um, until I was older. And then, when the, you know, then when I went to live with my dad in junior high and high school, it was the drinking and there was a, always, you know, people at the house drinking and, you know, I, I had, you know, a drink, you know, I, I actually took it <laughs> from, <laughs> from, you know, somebody at one of my, you know, one of my dad's friends at a, at a young age too. So it's, you know, it's, um, I kind of was set up for failure, I feel like, um, but do you want me to keep going? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So it's your story. I'm not gonna tell it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, I still did pretty good. I I made it through Fresno State. Um, 
without getting too far off track, I got my degree. I um, started, you know, looking for for work and things like that. Um, I also, um, around that time, started um, going out to the bars. And that was kind of um, the beginning of a lot of my chaos was at the bars. Mm. Um, you know, hanging out with people I met at the bars. Um, uh, you know, marrying people I met at the bars. Um, things like that. <laughs> um, I like how that wasn't singular. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> people, yes, I have done. I've been married more than once. Um, none of it. None of them were anybody. You know, that I met. That's shocking because circumstances. Because you know that you find the most quality people at the bar. I know. Yeah, true. I couldn't yeah. believe it. Yeah. I couldn't. <laughs> I had one time. I came home from prison and I got in some more trouble. My mom goes, "Why do you keep hanging out with people you meet in prison?" And I was like, "I don't see the problem here." <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> it was a great deal. Yeah, so um I did but one thing I I I did I did get a good job at 23 and um I've always worked. Mm -hmm. So I was functioning. So my going out and drinking at the on the weekends I felt was fine because mm -hmm. I always still went to work. I always had a home, I always had an income, I always the old functional alcoholic. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep, been there. Yeah. Yeah, so um Anyway, again, there was just, you know, everything that comes along with the bars, you know, um, chaos, you know, bad relationships, um, things like that. Um, well, and I think like for me, I look at I look at alcoholism and one of the reasons that I used to hang out in bars or hang out with people who drank more than me is that feeling of normalcy. Right. Like yeah. if I if I get a bunch of people who are like way worse drunks than I am. Yeah, you feel better about yourself. Oh, drink, yeah. You know, and right. so at least I'm going to work. Right. Right. And like <laughs> yeah. and, and I would do stuff like, well, I haven't gotten a DUI, you yeah. know, like I'm yeah. better than those people because I, you know, get all the beer at home and then just sit there. But like, you know, yeah. So I think there's some aspect in like you know that things aren't great, but if you can find people who are worse than you, then you feel yeah. like, no, I'm all right. I'm all right. At least I'm not that guy. Right. Know? So that's why sure. Brandon hangs out with me. He's like, well, at least I'm not that guy. I thought of a really funny example, but I can't say it on the air. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. My filter just kicked in. It's torture. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Brandon doesn't really have a filter. So I know. Good. It must be really bad. Yeah. It must be. It is really bad. Yeah. Um. So anyway, um, I, I had my daughter. Um, when I was 26, and I tried to make a family out of that, you know, out of that, we, I married her dad, um, we had a house, a trailer, you know, and the whole family thing. Um, I really did give it what I thought was my best effort, and it, you know, it fell apart, and so that um, kind of caused me some more problems, because I felt like I failed, mm -hmm. and then I was a single mom, and I didn't have any help. I mean, for obvious reasons, I don't have a relationship um, with my dad anymore. My mom died. My mom eventually died um, at, at 61. And um, so anyway, she was sick for 14 years, and I was the one running around and um, literally sometimes by myself uh, completely rebuilding her life. She even burnt down her trailer because she was smoking with her oxygen on. <laughs> and probably passed out, you know, from whatever she took. Yeah. And I found her on the ground several times from, you know, I'm surprised she, I'm surprised she just didn't overdose. I mean, mm -hmm. she, she would be down. I knew if she didn't, didn't answer her phone, mm -hmm. I'd have to run and check on her and call 911. So that, that went on for 14 years, me trying Jeez. to save my mom. And um, she eventually passed away. But um, um, anyway, I had my daughter. I never had a strong family support unit. Um, so I was kind of doing it on my own. Then I got, and then I kind of got into the victim mentality that I struggled with for a long time where 
Like, everybody was against me. Like, you know, nothing's ever going to get any better. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody wants to help me. You know, pity party type of thing. And that lasted a long time. Um, but anyhow, it, um, when she was three, um, a, a friend I had made kind of um, in my out and about days, um, we became roommates. And um, she had grown up in church and her parents, um, you know, put a strong faith in her. We were both kind of struggling with some of the same same things at the time, though. But but that's when, you know, God was brought into my life. My mom did take me to church, a Pentecostal church when I was a kid now and then. But, you know, all I knew was, you know, you're going to hell if you sin. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. know you have a relationship with Jesus. I didn't know you had to ask him into your life. I didn't know any of those things. Um, and so I learned that from my friend that I was living with at the time. And um, so in 2009... I um, asked Jesus in my heart, and that's when I um, tried to start being better. But it, mm-hmm. but I still struggled. I still struggled. I still wait. You mean the that. minute you made a decision to be a Christian, your whole life did not fall into order? It wasn't and, you know, <laughs> unicorns pissing skittles yeah. over did your. You, did you wait until baptism? Because I've heard that water just everything. That didn't work either. Say, right? yeah, yeah, that no. didn't work either. Yeah. Same shocking that Fresno <laughs> tap water didn't heal you. They need to hold yeah. us down longer. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that might have helped. So, um, so yeah, so 2009, Jesus, um, still struggled, still was drinking. Um, and uh, 2011, I uh, is when my mom passed away. And the month after that is, uh, I was back in Lemoore by this time. Mm. My dad lived in Lemoore, so I've been back and forth to Lemoore. And, and Fresno in my life. Um, so I moved back to Lemoore, um, where my mom passed away. The the next month in December of 2011 is when I was baptized. And so I was also going, that was my first um, Celebrate Recovery experience also was in 2011. I had just started CR when my mom died. Mm-hmm. And so they, um, so I actually kind of had uh, some support, you know, when she passed away, because I lost a lot of my identity when she died, because I had been trying to yeah, take care caretaker. of her for so long, yeah. and I didn't know who I was and anymore. And um, then I had guilt um, over it because I'm codependent, and you know, I couldn't, I didn't save her. Right. So I've struggled with that a long time too. But um, so anyway, um, let's see, where am I at? Baptized, CR, um, still. You know, going out to the bars, still making bad decisions, bad relationships. Um, I moved back to Fresno in 2014. And um, where am I at here? So what what brought you to Celebrate Recovery? Dealing with my mom. Okay. Yeah. So at that point, you're like, the alcohol's not a thing. Nope, it's just not a problem. Stuff from home. Okay. Yeah, that's not, not uncommon. <laughs> not a problem whatsoever. Yeah, not uncommon. A lot of people do that. Like, oh, no, I'm not, not drinking. It's fine, but my mom's driving me nuts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So when, in the course of things, do you kind of become aware that, like, hey, there's some other stuff going on, and maybe it's not my mom. Maybe I have some issues, too. That was in 2015. Okay. Yeah. So for about, what, four years, five years there, just kind of. So you're staying involved in Celebrate Recovery, right? You're codependent. So you went through a step study and then became a leader because no, you wanted to help other people. No, not yet. I did okay. later. Okay. Yeah, that's later. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to CR. Um, I feel like I'm missing something. Sorry. You're fine. What Celebrate Recovery were you going to when you started going? It, South Valley Community Church in Lemoore. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And then cool. when I moved back to Fresno, I came to New Cove. And um, then I went to... North Park, 
And then when I moved to Clovis, oh, when I moved to Clovis, I had, I had quit going to the bars. Mm-hmm. I had, I, I'd had like a, I got to a point and I, I still am at, I still struggle with this because I, I have had instances where I drank one drink and I didn't completely go off the rails mm-hmm. and make bad life altering decisions. So you're not an alcoholic. Well, <laughs> I know now, that. Now, I know not everybody agrees Brandon's on that. Brandon's gonna thump the big book here, so just you gotta be careful. So, you know. Just saying. Um, Some people can drink, and it's fine. It's it's the bars. Like that's where you won't find me ever mm-hmm. again. Is out at the bars. Um, just drink in your closet alone in the dark. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, no. I'll give, you, I'll give you a common example. So, like, my wife stopped drinking at the same time that I did, but in the last couple weeks, it's been like she's been like, "Look, I'm at a point where I think I could have a glass of wine," mm-hmm. and her reasoning is that she's not mad, she's not right. sad, she's not upset. She's I'm just not like, "Oh, it'd be cool to, to have a glass of wine." And I thought, right. "Okay, that's yeah, good you know, for her. That's, that's yeah, right." So, and um, I know a lot of are, nice, classy people that do that, yeah, yeah. and they're fine, and they're not, yeah, you know. Right. But I mean, are you fine with that? Um, I, I don't know. I haven't. So I had, I had a tiny taste of her wine because uh-huh. I don't like wine and I had a tiny taste and went, yeah, I still don't like wine. Yeah. Uh, but then we talked about like, you know, my wife and I were kind of talking about it and she was like, I think in the right circumstances, like, you know, if you had a beer, it would be okay. And I was like, well, that I got to think about. But what was interesting is I sat there and I thought about it and I thought, do I really want to have one? And I was like, I don't want to have one. Yeah. You I know? think, I think you could, I don't think you should. Right. Well, and, and, and I look at it. In that the issue that I've had before, and this is way side tangential mm. from her story, is is not that um, alcohol in and itself in and of itself is not a sin. It's that I was using that as a god that I ran to whenever I had mm-hmm. problems, and it became an idol for me. Yeah, and so um, I have like. I had untreated depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. post traumatic stress. I had all this other stuff that I feel like I've handled now. Yeah, yeah. and so it's like I don't know if I'm in the same circumstance to abuse, but I yeah. keep in mind that I nearly wrecked my marriage when I was drinking. Mm-hmm. And so I have to weigh like, well, is it worth playing with that again? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Is it, is it worth going into the strip club and trying not to look, you know, we'll I just mean, build the Asherah pole, but we won't actually sacrifice to him. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. And so, um, but yeah, I realize that's super controversial. Yeah, yeah. Now I also say that like, um, I'm also almost five years mm-hmm. of none. I mean, like, it took me two years before I went, okay, uh, I can have some pasta sauce that somebody used wine to cook in. Mm-hmm. Like it took me a while. And I mean, I know, yeah. I know people, uh, you and I both know people that like have dental surgery and are like, I can't take anything besides aspirin because yeah. like, you know, which, um, I mean, I, I understand different struggles, uh, but I'm the same way though. I won't, I won't take anything stronger than an aspirin. I do still feel that way also because yeah. I had, I did have a cervical fusion and I, and I, and I would say I took the Percocet longer than I needed to. Uh-huh. And once I got once I got brave enough to throw that away, uh-huh. I haven't taken a narcotic since. I yeah. even had a hysterectomy, and I only took ibuprofen. Yeah. So I mean, I I'm not I'm sure what all that means, that. but okay. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, no, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Open surgery because because I I like I used to smoke meth, and I hated people that slammed meth, and the whole thing that we were just saying, like, well, at least I'm not slamming right. meth. But then. And when I was in prison, someone talked me into it and cause that's what all the cool guys were doing. And I was like, well, I want to be one of them. And so I did a shot of meth and I was like, this is fantastic. Yeah. And I mean, even to this day, if I was going to relapse on meth, like you could hand me a bag of meth and if there wasn't a needle with it, like, I'm like, I'm not going to do this. Right. Like you can hand me meth in a pipe and I'm like, nah, I'm cool. You right. hand me meth in a needle. I'm like, mm, I don't know, you know? And it's, so, so what I'm saying is like, I don't want to try narcotic painkillers because they might be fantastic. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's and, a and, pretty good idea. Yeah. And to put this in context, like, 
you know, when I've had surgeries and stuff, like I've never had an issue with prescription narcotics. Like mm-hmm. the last time I had a major surgery that the narcotics sat in my, in my medicine cabinet for like a year and a half, two years before I was like, it's a bad idea. I have kids yeah. so to get rid of it. Um, because I don't like the way that makes me feel. Right. And so I'm like, dude, if I have dental work, I'm going to take an opiate because I don't like the way that makes me feel. And I'm uh-huh. not, and this, this is, I think to, to take it to a biblical note, it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's talked about in uh, in the epistles that like, what might be a sin for one may not be for another. They're right. Right. I agree. Specifically about meat with blood in it. So like, right. uh, for me, somebody who hasn't struggled with pill addiction and hates opiates, like, okay, if I take one, when I have my wisdom teeth out, that's probably okay. But right. somebody who has a big time heroin addiction, that's like, look, I don't want to go anywhere down this. Uh, yeah. No, I completely agree with you there that yeah. it's, it's different for each person and yeah. everyone has to pick their own their own way and what's going to keep them on the right path. And yeah. I, I think that's great that your wife wants to drink wine. Cool. Yeah. And I think as long as that doesn't affect you, then that's great. Yeah. I, I think the big the big caveat and take home that I'd put with that is I would never consider this if I didn't already have four to five years yeah, yeah, yeah. under the belt. That's like, good. Right. I wouldn't be like, ah, I haven't had a drink in three weeks. I bet I could have a beer again and yeah. I'd be fine. Right? Well, I also like the fact that your wife is intuitive enough to stop for five years with you right. to make sure you're on solid ground before she's like, hey, this is something that I enjoy and I'd like to do. Which I've told her since day one, like, yeah. you don't have to stop. This is my problem. This is not your problem. Yeah, she's totally. Just like, but, but she's acknowledged that she used it inappropriately oh gotcha she wasn't just like hey i want to have a glass of wine that that it would be like i'm stressed or i have this and therefore i'm going to use the wine to take the edge off which which at that point becomes an idol right yeah so trusting god for that i'll tell you like my wife drinks and that's that's fine because my wife's the type of person that'll open a beer take two drinks walk away come back and be like oh it's warm and pour it out (laughs) that's because you didn't drink the dang thing like just drink it (laughs) yeah and like you were at my housewarming party a year and a half ago, two years ago, whatever it was, and we bought a case of beer for everyone that was coming over. Those beers are still sitting in my fridge. Yeah. Like, my wife will have I'll a drink. Every, <laughs> you can have them, bro. Come over. You can have them. Like, every three months, she'll be like, oh, I feel like a beer. And then she'll drink a right. part of it and throw it away. And it's like, oh, it just sits there. But it doesn't bother me. Well, see, and I'm at the point where I don't even remember, and I don't think I noticed. Yeah. Like, and... And that's not where I would have been in the first year. Do you know what I mean? I would have known like, oh my gosh, there's beer there. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, can I grab one of these and 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 get away with my pocket and go to the bathroom and, you know, like, you know, yeah. so, so I guess it's just different, different areas in the walk. And so like, I don't think, I don't think Kendra would recommend like, Hey, if you've given up the bars, you know, in the first last three months or so, go ahead and have a drink every, you know, now. But you can go to a barbecue and have one drink and be fine and go home. Now, I don't recommend she this. No, she, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Right. This so, is not yeah. everyone. This is right. everything we're talking about is years into recovery. And this is, yeah, this has been, since I stopped going to bars, this has been five to six years. Mm-hmm. And um, in 20, well, and then more so than my, my drinking was my relationship choices. And that's when mm-hmm. I realized, um, I realized that in 2016, because I got into the very worst relationship I've ever been in in my life. Not when your relationship with Jesus. No. <laughs> I mean, he did want me to change a bunch of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> when I was sober, when I had quit drinking. Yeah. And so I still chose a man that was really destructive. And I think it's because they say you're trying to recreate your dysfunctional childhood, mm-hmm. you know, relationships with your parents. 100%. And then looking back now, I realize this guy was just exactly like my dad. Yeah. And, um... I sold everything I owned. I moved in with him. Um, it was a terrible situation for me and my daughter, who is, was 11 or 12 at the, and 11 at the time. Um, I did all that without drinking. Mm. So that's 
Yeah. When the- you, you didn't need that. No, so hold on. The takeaway no. is the takeaway is you still make stupid choices without alcohol. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I did. And so when that ended, that is when I realized I had to figure out why I kept making those choices um, in men. Yeah, yeah. Really, um, because that that caused a lot of my problems in my life. Is is the relation the friends I had chosen to be around and the men I had chosen to be around too. So. When that ended, I started going to uh, New Hope Celebrate Recovery, Mm -hmm. and I got really serious about that. I went every week without fail for over two years. I did my step study. Um, I swore off of men during my step study. I stuck to that, Um, and um, that ended a couple years ago, and... um, Try to get into leadership. That wasn't for me. It was not for me. I recommend this. Leadership is not for everybody. It was not for me. I'm willing to admit it. Um, So, but also that's how I made my connections with um, Welcome Home, Mm -hmm. with with Brandon, um, with Celebrate Recovery Inside. Um, So I I still made the connections there. It's still all along the right path. You know, I made the Mm -hmm. connections to where I could still be of service because I do still feel like it's really important to be in service, mm-hmm. um, to stay on the right track. Um, and so, um, now I, well, now I, now I'm still, even though I'm not as active in celebrate recovery, I'm still on, on the path of recovery. I'm still um, looking for growth opportunities. And mm-hmm. that's how I ended up in the E212 class because that's something that I never would have felt like I could participate in because I wasn't good enough mm. because I just, was just broken. for context for people listening, E212 is our school of ministry at our church. It's uh, just a like 401 leadership track. So it's basically like a mini seminary. I mean, aside from the coordinator, it's a pretty solid program. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> A coordinator and ethics charge? teacher. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, the coordinator, so yeah. I'm also the I'm ethics teacher. To that class. You're the ethics teacher. Oh boy. I'm serious. Yeah. All right. He's Next week I'm teaching ethics. All right. You're so, the before, right? Then they have an after coming in or <laughs> we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Their reasoning was at this point, nobody knows ethics better than you true, because you've true. broken every one of them. You guys would be like, You wanna go to prison? Yeah. I'm sorry, I had an office okay. flashback. You could be like Prison Mike. Prison Mike. Yeah. I was thinking more uh, Tyrone Biggums in the elementary school. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. How does dog food taste? Exactly <laughs> like it smells. Delicious. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. Anyway, so that, that's, I'm getting to kind of present day now. So for me to have the confidence in myself and um, trusting that I can make better decisions now, I um, took the opportunity to participate in E212, which is something I never would have done even a year ago because I always thought I needed to stay with, you know, recovery people, other people mm-hmm. that were as messed up as me or, or more messed up yeah. than me because all of, you know, cause the normies would mm-hmm. not accept me, you know, or they would just, um, you know, because I struggle with fear of rejection and all of that stuff from family dynamics and all that type of thing. So mm-hmm. I love the class. I'm super happy that I did it. Um, it's my focus right now. I've kind of set most everything else aside. Welcome home is, is I mean, still... COVID kind of set welcome home well, aside. And so that recovery on the inside. Yeah, so. yeah. We can't go into the prison either. Um, so, so, you know what, it's all part of the plan though. I mean, there's still blessings happening. Um, I'm able to focus on age 12 because it's, it's super important to me that I mm. am successful in this class and that I learn everything that I can, because I feel like it's my next level of growth. 
and so and here I am. So yeah. I'm thankful. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, and I, and I appreciate that. Like, so so I love what you said. Basically, you're still living out the principles of recovery, right? right? Yep. You're still like working through work, working your steps and stuff in, on a daily basis. Uh, but you've also realized that there's more spiritual and theological growth out there besides just in recovery circles as well. Absolutely. So not not to say that recovery isn't good enough, but just to say that like Jesus didn't give us the gospel of recovery, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus gave right. us the church, right? And uh, the church has many other facets to it uh, besides just recovery groups. So we're like, yes, and obviously, you no, know, Brandon and I aren't going to hate on recovery ministry because it's right. like where we came but from. But it's also one of our soapboxes that don't get stuck in recovery because right. God has so much more for you. Right. right. And, and, and right. to be fair, like you can't do the 12 step if all you hang out with is recovery people. Right. You cannot bring the gospel to people who have not heard it if all you're hanging out with is people that have heard it at your recovery meeting. Right. That's know? a great point. So, yeah. But, um, well, we could just open the door and wait for him to wander the in. Newcomer, right. The yeah. newcomer. We put a sign out on that. We put a banner out on the curb. So that's pretty much the test. They'll come. Right. People always right. want to be told yeah. that their lives changed. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so uh, so no, that that's cool, and uh, and yeah, so we first met when you were at uh, Valley State Prison, yep. and uh, which I love serving for Celebrate Recovery on the inside. Uh, you literally do nothing. Um, <laughs> no, like the inmates handle everything. You go there, and it's just cool, and they're so excited to have you there. And I love, I love that it breaks their head. Um, and 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 what I mean by that is like most inmates come from a situation where nobody's ever invested in them before, yep. and so when you show up and they're like, "Why are you here?" and you're like. Because and they're like you're getting paid to be here. They'll they'll try to like, yeah, find well, out why you're there. And then when you're there another week, you know the next week, and they're like, wait, you came back, and you're not getting anything to be here. And it's like, well, yeah, I'm yeah. just here because you know Jesus. Jesus. Wants and me to be I'll here. tell you that's an inmate mentality because I have lived my entire life up to the last five years with the absolute sure knowledge that mm-hmm. nobody does anything unless there's something in it yeah, for them. An angle. There's an angle. And I used to, like, I live by that. And when I first met my wife, Sunny, like, she used to hate that because I, oh, that guy was nice. And I'm like, no, he wants something. Like, he's trying to get at you or he wants something from you or that's everybody. Like, people only do things for selfish motives. And I believe that because that was me. Right. I only ever did anything for a selfish motive. If I was engaging you, I'm working some angle. I'm trying to get something out of you. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure out what your safe code is. Like, you know, something. And it wasn't until I got fully immersed in church that I was like, dude, there are legitly good people in in this life that just do nice things because it's the right thing to do, but they all just hang out at church. Like that's (laughs) (laughs) we all just hang out at church and that's what we do. And like, I've made that my mission to try and convince people of that. I have a lot of people that I'm working with that are still in different stages of addiction. They're hesitant. They're resistant to church and, they're like, why do you keep calling me and checking up on me? There's one dude in particular right now that I just got him to church. And he was like, why do you keep calling and checking up on me? Like, no, I'm high on heroin. Like, what is your, what's your motive here? And I'm like, dude, I just love you. And I want you to know there are people that want to see you do better for you because you have the potential to do better. Yeah. And he's like, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, dude, there's good people out there that care. Right. And, and, and the first couple of times you do that, the dude thinks you're a liar. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, no, but I'm just going to find it. And so that's why consistency becomes so important yep. in showing mm-hmm. up there. Because I think that's where we're able to show that the, the difference is that, that we have a savior. We have Jesus who, who did that for us, who mm-hmm. gave us and cared for us and gave up his life for us when we didn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. Right. When, when, and, and really didn't expect anything in return. Right. It's not like, like what we give God what we submit is we give him back what was already his, right? Yeah. You think about that? Like same thing with like tithing when people are like, man, I'm going to give God 10%. And it's like, no, he's going to let you keep 90. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like that's, that's kind of how that works. And so I think that's, that's why the, the Christ focused part of recovery is so important because that's where, 
that's where we change. And that's what allows you to realize like whatever you were looking for in a man or in a relationship, you need to find first from Christ. Like, right. you know, if you, if you look for another person in your life to be your Jesus, whether it's your husband, your wife, your kids, mm-hmm. um, all of those people make terrible gods. And, uh, and so it's, it's interesting because it's kind of the same themes that we see, right? We replace so many different things uh, in that God spot in our lives. Yeah, so. definitely. No, that's good. That's good. Well, thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Yeah, go ahead, wrap it up. Oh, oh, it's me. Oh, he yeah. kicks to me again. You're, <laughs> You're making the signal. You do it, so. Yeah, not that kind that of That was around the bases. That was a reference to John and how his Dodgers won. Over the- Woo! <laughs> finally. So. How his Dodgers finally won. How his Dodgers finally won. <laughs> Smack talker over I here. Know, yeah. There's a lot, of, a lot of hate over there. I feel bitterness in this yeah. corner. I'm a professional troll. <laughs> I really don't care either way. I just know that it'll get a rise out of you. That's right. Uh, yeah. So, um, if, if you've heard some of this episode that, that, you know, kind of triggered something, you want to, you know, uh, ask some questions, you're wondering who this Jesus guy is. You can send us email, email again at redefine recovery at Clovis Hills.com, uh, or also hit us up on the Facebook. We would love to have that talk with you. And that's really mm-hmm. our motive in doing this. We don't get paid anything besides the, the goodness of Brian Arabian and his delicious raisins that come from Arabian farms that we're contractually yes. obligated to mention as often as possible. hundred uh, percent. Actually, fun fact, Brian has never asked us for anything in return for that sponsorship. We just think it's funny to make fun of him. Yeah, no, he gave us I agree. Money, which we're weird. I don't know why that makes sense, but no. Yeah, anyway, I agree. Brian, so, we love you. Yeah. Not so much your raisins. <laughs> yeah. Hope you're having fun on that tractor. If you're on a, I don't know anything about farming. I don't either. So anyways, yep. I like your beard, Brian. <laughs> no, hey, he posted his wife posted a picture the other day of him and her like when they were dating and dude brian was a stud when he was younger yeah not that he's not now but yeah he was a stud i'm gonna shut up now yeah you're getting yourself in a hole there aren't you yeah i yeah. do that All quite right. well quite often <laughs> so so we'll uh we'll be back uh next week with uh new president and uh hopefully and uh Brandon will surely put his food in his mouth. I shouldn't say foot in his mouth. Not yeah. in his mouth. I shouldn't say. We'll do that president. too, though. I should say with whoever is elected as the new president. Yeah. Not that we will be back. I'm not trying to make a political uh, prophecy. prophecy. Yeah. I refuse to prophecy because the Old Testament says that if I call myself a prophet and I'm wrong, you all have to hit me with big rocks until I die. Yeah. And I'm not willing to take that risk. So. Anyways, yeah. we'll see you guys next week during the riding. We love you. <laughs> We're out. I'm on the road. Step by step, day by day.